Hello everyone, welcome back to Just One More Opinion. I'm your host, Charlie, and we have reached the end of my Assembling for Christmas series. I'm so grateful that I was able to do this, share it with you all, so I hope you enjoy this last episode where we discuss the final installment of MCU's Phase 3, Spider-Man Far From Home. Let's go! Tom Holland is back as our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and he's feeling the huge loss at the end of Avengers Endgame, as well as deal with the reality of the blip, which is the name people are giving um, the Hulks for the Hulks like Infinity Snap that brought everyone back from the dusting. Okay, Marvel, I see you want to keep it funny. That's cool. The movie doesn't start with Peter, though, but with a new mysterious man who is fighting this rock monster. We get that tiny teaser of what is to come story-wise, and then we are back at Peter's high school where we where we hear Betty Brent and Jason Ionello inform their fellow Midtown peers about what has happened to their educational status. <laughs> we get a bit of exposition here, I'd say, which is never a great thing, but it does provide for some situating in, in regards to where our Spider-Man characters are. Luckily, all the major ones we had met in Spider-Man Homecoming were dusted away so they haven't gotten five years older. A kid named Brad Davis did, however, and now he is the same age as Peter and his involvement in the story works only as a, as a kind of opponent to him in the romantic arena, since now Peter has developed feelings for Zendaya's Michelle, aka MJ, as she prefers to be called. The blip also brought back Aunt May, so she's the same age too, and she now organizes events for the charitable organization Feast, which is something the character does in the comics. Very cool. The other interesting and important thing about May is that she seems to be in a relationship with Happy Ogan, which provides for some good laughs too, and makes poor Peter feel quite uncomfortable and weirded out. Spider-Man also supports Feast and is asked to answer some questions at a press conference, but the overwhelming pressure on Spidey concerning the Avengers team status or whether he is going to be the next Iron Man just freaks Peter out. Pete misses Tony so much he feels lost without a mentor to guide him through these troubled times. And while this was such a nice storyline that follows the, the, the close relationship between these two superheroes, it's also unfortunate that another Spider-Man movie is tightly connected with the um, Iron Man franchise because the mourning of Tony is not the only thing that reminds us and Peter of our very first MCU hero. Oh no, there's more I'm afraid, but I'll get into that in a bit. We see Peter in his room getting ready for the Europe school trip, a vacation that he deeply needs right now 
And we have another comical and vital element of this movie, as Aunt May throws a banana at her unsuspecting nephew, and he is hit in the face with it, without even flinching. May say, says the, that she thought she had, he had the, this Peter Tingle, <laughs> a nod to his spidey sense, but that arachnid ability is not fully developed just yet. For now, his only concern is getting ready for the trip and hopefully spend some time with MJ so he could tell her how he feels. Now, let me just say this and move on. I know the title is Far From Home and all, but having Spider-Man operate outside New York City in just his second movie kind of defeats the point and the purpose of his character, if you ask me. Spider-Man is a New York-based hero and taking him away from home, while it does provide for some bigger, cooler set pieces, it does also, in a way, feel like cheating and removes the essence of this hero. That's just my opinion. I did love the action scenes. I think they were much better than in the first movie. But like I said, this European voyage was really uncharacteristic of Spidey. That's all I wanted to say about that. Um, during the f their flight to Venice, Peter gets annoyed at Brad for spending some time with MJ, and Pete's best friend, Ned, gets a new girlfriend in Betty Brent. Um, okay, Marvel, did you just want to give something for Ned to have in this movie that was different from his guy-in-a-chair role in Homecoming? Was it just for laughs? Because didn't lead anywhere in the end and I would have loved if instead you could have created some friction between Peter and Ned maybe because Peter wants to spend more time with MJ than his best mate and then in a third Spider-Man movie they could fully fall apart and by some way Ned turns into the villain Hobgoblin just like in the comics Okay, so in the comics, Ned Leeds is not a kid, let alone Peter's best friend. But I gotta believe that they chose him to be Peter's BFF for some reason, right? I guess we'll have to wait and see. I hate waiting, but I love seeing. So, yeah. Anyway, while in Venice, our characters are attacked by a water elemental um, hydro creature who is stopped by the new mysterious hero we saw at the beginning. The news start calling him Mysterio and we later learn his name is Quentin Beck and he's played by the fantastic Jake Gyllenhaal. I love Jake as an actor so much. I absolutely adored when they revealed um, him to be the, this awesome Spider-Man character. Speaking of actors, there's there's not a lot more new introductions, really. We do have this strange character of Dimitri, played by Numan Akar, and he's, this, he's just this guy working for Nick Fury. Um, there's not a whole lot more about him. He has like three or four lines in the entire film. But people started wondering. Could this be the villain 
Chameleon, one of the OGs from Spidey's Rogues Gallery, in disguise as an ally to Fury. Uh, I don't know. No one knows. It would be cool, though, but I guess, again, we'll have to wait to find out more. The rest of the characters we already know. We have met them in either Homecoming or other movies, so I don't need to go through them like I usually do. So let's move right on. After the water elemental attack, Peter meets an annoyed Nick Fury, who requests for Spider-Man's assistance. Fury tells the kid that after he was blipped back into the universe, the world had changed so much, and now he knew nothing. And that's really a scary thought, considering Nick Fury is the spy, the guy who knows what's going on around everywhere, really. Uh, and now he knows nothing, nada, zero. So that was really an interesting plot point and something that will definitely be developed in later installments. So when these elemental monsters show up, Fury teams up with Quentin Beck aka Mysterio, and he also requires the the help of Spider-Man. Fury gives Peter the Edith glasses, left for him by Tony. I don't know when Tony left Fury with the glasses because Fury was snapped out, and if he gave to him before, that would have been a bit premature to leave this powerful technology with a 16-year-old kid from Queens. So I don't know if this is like some sort of plot hole or just dumb. I know Stark had Peter in high regards, but leaving him with the Edith glasses, which can coordinate drone attacks at will and surveil communication systems with ease, leaving that technology with an underage hero Kind of a stupid move, if you ask me. Not really logical in any sense, uh, but anyway. And of course, Edith is gonna play a huge part in the story, but let me continue from where I left off. So like I said, Peter meets Quentin, and I gotta say, the, the dude is really good at mentoring and motivating young Peter. The relationship between both actors was actually really good. They became great friends in real life, which is just super cute. But the doozy, the doozy that Beck drops relates to his origin. He is from Earth, but not this Earth. He talks about multiple dimensions and how the um, elementals have destroyed his home world and killed his family. It's all very tragic, but... Well, I'll get into that in a bit. So Fury, yeah, he tells Spidey that he needs help to stop the last fire elemental, but Peter says it's too much responsibility for him right now. He asks if they can't ask help from Thor, or Doctor Strange, or Captain Marvel, but they're all out of reach. In fact, Fury bluntly tells him not to invoke Captain Marvel's name. Was this put here just for laughs, or is something going on with Carol Danvers? Something important, or something quite serious? Once again, 
We'll have to wait and see. Ugh. But even though Peter told Fury he wanted out, the spy still hijacks the school's summer vacation, and the students go to Prague, where the last attacked attack will be. For the upcoming fight, Peter gets a new stealth suit, so that no one realizes Spider-Man is in the Czech Republic, and the costume looks a, li a little like the noir suit from the comics, but it's def definitely not the same to everyone who thinks they kind of retconned that outfit into this. Also around this scene, and even later on, there are some inappropriate jokes for kids. Nothing too on the nose, but come on Marvel, you know Spidey is the most kid-friendly superhero you have. Just leave that type of comedy to other franchises, please. It's really weird. Okay, but finally, when the fire elemental appears, it's up to Mysterio and Spider-Man to save the innocent bystanders and destroy this monster. The fight is tough, and Beck almost loses his life with a final blow to the creature, but then the threat is gone, Prague is safe, nothing to worry about. Except, during the fight, Peter webbed at something strange, sort of invisible, probably nothing. Probably no one picked up anything suspicious, you know, right? Hmm, yeah. So, after a job well done, Peter and Quentin have a chat, in which our friendly neighborhood hero opens up about not feeling up to the task of being the next Iron Man. Beck gives him a vote of confidence, but Peter is more interested in Mysterio's leadership, his sense of responsibility. So, in a reckless and impulsive decision, Peter gives Quentin the Edith glasses. It doesn't matter how good Pete thought Beck was, even if he was the best guy ever, why would anyone give someone they just met the only thing left from a trusted ally who is now gone? Peter, what the hell? And... Yeah. Jesus Christ. It doesn't make any sense. And so, after this, after this kind of stupid move from Peter, we get the expected reveal. It was all an illusion by Beck and his team. The Elementals, illusion. Mysterious powers, illusion. His right righteousness, fake. His origin, fake. Even his name is fake. Who is he, really? We don't know. Uh, well, he and all the members of his team are all Collateral damage of Tony Stark's ego, former employees who have suffered indirectly from Iron Man's actions. Beck was actually the guy who designed the BARF technology which we saw in Civil War when Stark had a little therapy session about his family. And this, <laughs> and this one guy who was yelled at by Obadiah Stane in the first Iron Man movie is the one who designs the drone technology that enables mysterious illusions to have real impact to cause authentic damage. Really cool that they brought this kind of unimportant character back. But yeah, this is like a massive exposition scene, really. 
which again is pretty annoying but Gyllenhaal's acting is, is pretty solid and Beck's speech kind of clarifies some of his inten intentions. He talks about how the world ignores you if you don't have a cool costume or money. Uh, if you're not cool or powerful, it, you could be the smartest person in the room and no one would care, Beck says. And I have to admit that that is in some ways very, very factual, very true. In our world, some of that social discrimination um, happens a lot but of course is related to other human aspects but all of this is about value proving that a person has real value despite not having a fancy armor or a stylish cape and the world should know should know about that should considering um, seeing value as something else than being a hero having powers money fame blah 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 Mysterio wants to be the greatest hero on earth even if it's all fake with Edith he now has more control of his illusions and now he has, he has actually more firepower to overcome real threats which is something we don't really see after this because his plan obviously is stopped by Spidey at the end um, but his current plan <laughs> is kind of funny. He wants to have a, an Avengers level threat with the combined forces of the fake elemental uh, elemental beings uh, to bring chaos to the city of London, and then Mystery would save them, would save the city, and and etc. 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 But then, I, but then what? We don't really know what the end game for Beck is for Mysterio. What is it? Does he just want to defeat the elementals and be called the greatest hero on earth? And then what? Because it's all fake. He doesn't have any powers. He doesn't. He's not strong. He only has this technology and some drones. Any real threat could appear, and he would not be able to face it. So. I think here there's like a, a little character hole, a, a little plot hole regarding the character itself because we don't we don't really get what his final mission object, objective is and that's kind of annoying. Um, I didn't really think that uh, John Watts and the writers thought this through but anyway uh, <laughs> that's far from home I guess so we go back to Peter he's on a walk with MJ and he's challenged with a moment of truth as MJ confronts him and reveals she knows he is spider-man it was pretty obvious to her and we can't really argue with that can we <laughs> we have seen the movies we have seen how she is very interested in Peter of course she would be able to piece everything together but she also shows Peter what she has found during the fire elemental attack this webbed up machine that projects the holograms of the water elemental battle thus exposing Quentin back as a fraud Peter realizes how 
big of a mistake he has made. And now he needs to stop Mysterio from whatever he has prepared. At the same time, Beck <laughs> was doing a rehearsal of the final battle, which I gotta say, is really... It's so fun to see a character and his team basically do what the what the special effects crew does in a movie and um, all, all the practicing. It's really something else. I love it. Um, <laughs> it was one of the best uh, aspects of this movie, to be honest. But yeah, while he's rehearsing, he becomes aware of the missing projector and discovers that Peter knows. And so, now, Spider-Man is target number one for Mysterio and his crew. And okay, okay, I, I have to stop right here. Um, this idea that Quentin wants to kill a 16-year-old boy is really bad taste and almost transforms this character back into a two-dimensional villain, I'd say. With a, He had a decent backstory and a nice enough goal, but the execution of his plan, the execution of a child, is too malevolent, too wrong. It kind of ruined the chance of Mysterio being one of the more layered antagonists in the MCU, I'm afraid. But anyway, Peter meets with Fury and Hill, tells them about Beck's duplicity, but Spidey is caught in the first big Mysterio illusion of the film, and my god, this scene was taken straight out of the comics, classic Mysterio move, I absolutely love this scene, the craft behind it, the CGI, easily my favorite moment in Far From Home, uh, Peter is overwhelmed by Beck's illusions, he faces his greatest fears and his guilt, but Fury comes to the rescue and shoots the villain in the back. He asks Peter who else could be endangered from the information they know about Beck, and Peter says MJ, Ned, maybe Betty, and boy oh boy what another twisty twist. Fury isn't Fury, it was still Beck. And now he knew. He was able to fool Peter because Peter had been fooling himself all along. As Peter gets stranded in the Netherlands, his only hope to get to London in time is to call Happy Ogan. Both have, have uh, an emotional chat about missing Tony and living up to his legacy, and Peter designs a new Spidey suit using Stark tech. And this sequence is both cool and uncool. Because while this does remind us of Tony the Mechanic scenes from the Iron Man franchise, it also steers away from the traditional Spider-Man element of having Pete manually fabricate his outfits. I know, I know that in the MCU, Peter's tech and costumes are highly influenced by Iron Man's input, past and future, and the suit looks really cool even not even if not that different from the homecoming one but it's still unfortunate and another component that is fundamentally distinct from the character in the comics which is just sad and annoying but anyway peter arrived at london and a big fake fight ensues Peter is able to destroy the drones and break the, illu the illusion, the overall illusion that Mysterio has made. 
but Beck's arsenal has expanded now that he has Edith. And his deadly cloaked machines are a formidable opponent to Spidey, who hasn't mastered his Peter Tingle. <laughs> but this was it. This was the moment to step up, rise to the occasion, and so Parker closes his eyes and lets his sixth sense take care of the attacking drones. And what a moment. It's super awesome to see Peter finally embrace this ability that has been underdeveloped in the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield uh, movies. That was like a huge thing right from the start. And it's kind of cool that they didn't go that way with Homecoming. Um, just to keep it different. But now he needs to use his Peter Tingle, <laughs> his spidey sense. And as he closes in on Beck, who frantically orders all drones to shoot at young Pete, thus making himself vulnerable as well, Spider-Man faces one last illusion. Quentin is down, hit from his own machines, but Peter doesn't fall for his tricks anymore and prevents the real, invisible Beck from having a shot at his head. Pete retrieves the Edith glasses and Mysterio supposedly succumbs to his injuries, whispering one last truth. People need to believe. And nowadays, they'll believe anything. Which is not only a criticism to the Overall, overall world with a abundance of fake news and all, but maybe even a fun jab at Marvel themselves, who just keep on giving us insane and crazier storylines for us to immerse our, ourselves into, which I thought it was really funny. Either way, the threat is over. Mysterio seems dead, right? All the illusions are down, Edith says, so... Yeah, right? But, um, what if Edith was programmed to tell that to Peter? Hmm? And Mysterio is not dead, and he is still gonna make a future appearance. I would love that. I really do. But the imminent problem our, our hero faces now comes as a news report. Mysterio had a backup plan. He had sent a video to the Daily Bugle.net and the, uh, a returning J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson divulges Beck's fake statement. Spider-Man was the villain and the murderer and he was behind the drones and the illusions and the attack in London and his name was Peter Parker oh my freaking god what a devilish cliffhanger what a terrible situation Peter will find himself in come Spider-Man 3 but the second post credit scene was also pretty heavy the Fury and Maria Hill we saw throughout the movie were in fact the Skrulls Talos and wife Soren who were in league with the real Nicholas J. Fury, who is seen aboard a 
giant spaceship with many, many other scrolls, thus setting up his upcoming Disney Plus series, Secret Invasion, which will come out who knows when, but damn, I'm excited for that as well. And yeah, that was Spider-Man Far From Home. As for some final comments, let me say that even though I thought the first movie was funnier, this one had some great laughs as well, some supplied by, by the comic duo of teachers Mr. Errington and Mr. Dell, but some slapstick humor fell flat at a on a second viewing, uh, unfortunately. John Watts, the director, was really smart, though, at leaving Beck and his crew kind of spread out across the film, like hidden away, watching Peter. When you see it again, some of them are really well concealed, which I thought was super cool, really clever. Also, another setup for Secret Invasion, I'd assume, is a mention of Kree sleeper cells on Earth, when Skrull Fury tells Skrull Hill in a split second about that being a thing right now. So, okie dokie, Marvel, let's see what <laughs> you have up your sleeve. And something that I'm really, really curious about regards Flash Thompson. What the hell is going on with his parents who don't, who don't show up at the end after all that went up, who don't seem interested or preoccupied with their son at all? Well, I do have some theories on that. Not my own. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I'll talk to that in a future episode, and that may involve mixing his character with another important character from Spider-Man lore. But yeah, in the future, I'll I'll say what I want to say. But yes, I do hope that the um, the third movie is just a Spider-Man story, no Iron Man or Avengers stuff. Some cameos are fine but that's it let's go back to his roots and explore this amazing spectacular ultimate character fully with no strings attached to other heroes please marvel please i'm gonna give this one an eight as an mcu movie and an eight as well as a movie in general uh, but not a very high one though the action scenes here were really something else. Having daytime sequences more often uh, was a great improvement from the last film, but the story was still, like I said, too connected to Tony Stark. Um, and even though some of it made sense, other bits were just unnecessary in my opinion. But yeah, anyway, Spider-Man is always a fun character. I'm so happy they got someone who looks and is as young as Tom Holland, because we we get a chance of seeing him in multiple webhead movies, and that's an absolute win. Guys, this was it. The last movie in Assembling for Christmas, my MCU marathon series that I started on the 1st of December, and my god, what a ride. I'm so glad I took it and you with me. 
Tomorrow, though, I'll have a special bonus episode to tie things up nicely as I do a quick ranking of all the MCU movies we've gotten so far. And I say farewell to this Infinity Saga. But of course, more MCU episodes will be in the near future because the franchise is still growing and we are going to explore so much of this extraordinary universe multiverse now. So I'll talk to you tomorrow for the very last entry in this series. Stay safe and goodbye.